So, good morning. We're continuing our discussion of Srimad Bhagavatam Brahmavi Mohana Leela. <clears throat> and we heard of the reflection of Sugadev on the astounding um, Prema Madhurya in Sambandarupa Bhakti and Sakirasa in particular, that he is in, in envisioning and, and narrating to the Raj Parikshit. You have to remember, as I said the other night, this is all the answer and how to solve the death problem. Very nice solution to hear such wonderful things. And he himself is astounded at um, what he's describing and envisioning. And that, as I say, is, the, is this prema madhuri, this type of intimacy that uh, Krishna's cowards, associates, and calves have with him that is un- unprecedented and unpossi- impossible, I should say, to attain by other uh, spiritual practices that uh, arguably on their face, appear more overtly to be uh, spiritual. That of the Gyan Marg, for example, with its corresponding bairagya or detachment, um, the, uh, uh, the path of reverential love um, of God. Um, in Yoga Marg, in particular, uh, we, uh, was the uh, last verse we discussed, which uh, overtly, as I say, very much appears to be spiritual. It includes bairagya and, and, uh, and control of the mind and so on and so forth. And uh, the kind of bhakti that is being advocated here, that is being showcased, that we might develop affinity for from any condition of life. Hmm? And on the basis of that, having acquired some affinity through sadhu sangha, having heard about it, um, begin to tread the path. It is, um, by comparison, uh, difficult to understand and not necessarily in appearance as overtly spiritual or otherworldly. Indeed, the ideal itself, this... uh, uh, Lila Madhurya, this Prema Madhurya, is sometimes termed aprakrita. Aprakrita means it, something like it looks just like the ordinary world, but it's not. So difficult uh, to to detect. Adhoksaja, that is another idea. It's overtly different, overtly transcendental. And of course, the philosophical idea here is that for there to be, in order for there to be intimacy between the finite and the infinite, the finite will have to take a finite-like appearance. Hmm? That intimacy will be afforded because if it does, if it doesn't do so, and assumes a majestic position where in which its infinite nature is more apparent, then that will create distance we'll say, oh my God, and have to step back. And that's not what's happening here, as we've seen. They're playing leapfrog with God. Um, it's, uh, 
um, bewildering even to uh, to the sage Sukadev. He's very much absorbed in it. We'll see at the end of the chapter he actually passes out. <clears throat> so we concluded with uh, his his reflection on these pastimes in, re, in in comparison to yoga, this ideal in comparison to the ideal of yoga, the end of yoga, yoga samadhi, and how such does not bring one close to the to a particle of dust of the feet of this Vrindavan Krishna, hmm? who is, the point is raised, constantly in the vision of the cowherds. Svayam hmm? stiti. The word stiti here also indicates, as I said, a complete... The, com- the complete form of union hmm? in Leela. Leela moves between union and, and separation. Within Sambandhanuga, we, we call it yog and ayog. Hmm? And it, it, this also happens to also be relevant to the Madhurya Rasa that is so uh, much um, the focus of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. The... the, the uh, um, as it's sometimes called the Manjari Bhav, that they become the handmaiden of Radha. It is a kind of Dasya Bhakti hmm? in the context of Madhurya, Dasya in relation to to Sri Radhika. Hmm? Um, and so these terms are also invoked Yoga Vyog, hmm? uh, Yoga Ayog, and within Ayog we have Vyog and, and Utkantita, and within these are the Divisions of separation and their corresponding unions. So, so stiti, we went over this briefly, is a term used uh, to, to indicate the full face of union. So the implication here is that these cowards are they're with, they're with Krishna completely hmm? uh, in a way that, is, that, that yoga samadhi does not come close to. And I've extended this idea also into the sadhakas, as we've been discussing. Even the sadhakas, these devotees could not get away from Krishna if they tried. We know the gopis tried to forget about him. They constantly made effort to forget about him. And by contrast, the yogis are constantly making effort to remember him in some capacity. And the yogis are unsuccessful <laughs> in remembering him to the extent that the gopis are, who, trying to forget about him with effort, cannot. So, implication is how united with him in yoga are they? And, as I say, I've extended the idea of the power of bhakti in terms of its uh, perfection being discussed here to its uh, manifestation in practice where we become touched by that through good association and begin the path. It's difficult, I said, even for the practitioner to forget about Krishna, even when he or she tries. And sometimes he tries. Hmm? She tries <laughs> to forget about Krishna. Uh, it's a, understandable. We become frustrated with our lack of progress, which really constitutes our, our lack of understanding as to the nature of the course. Hmm? Um, one of my godbrothers, once we sat on the veranda as we would the Pujapad Sri Dharmarish at his feet, and uh, my godbrother said to Guru Maharaj, I feel like I'm not making any progress. 
Hmm. He said, no, no progress, you're feeling. And then he said, you have human life? Jalajanavalakshani Stravalakshavimshati, he quoted this from Puranic text, Padma Purana, that through so many species of life you've come. Hmm? And now you have the rare human life. Hmm? And he said, and in the human life you have Sadhu Sangha hmm? and Guru, qualified Guru, a Sad Guru and Sadhu Sangha, and you've come so far. Hmm? So much progress you've made. I've often cited my godbrother Vishnu John Swami, who used to say, the distance we have traveled from time without beginning until the time of meeting our guru is far greater than the distance we have to travel from this point onward. Hmm? So it takes some vision to see. But we give the example also of... Um, ascending to the highest peak in the Himalayas, for example, in order to go there by hiking, or by any way, by land, I should say, you'll have to go through the foothills. So there are many foothills along the way. And this is the course. It goes up, and it goes down, and it goes up. And so if we look back over time, we'll see that our going down, as it appeared, was actually um, a roundabout way of going up. And this is the way in which we proceed, even in the, in the teachings also. We learn what bhakti is, and then we learn what bhakti isn't. Hmm? That will come up now. Hmm? We've been learning about what bhakti is. Hmm? What is this Samandarupa bhakti? What is this prem, one form of prema madhurya and lila madhurya? Hmm? With the corresponding rupa madhurya, venu madhurya, krishna, venu krishna. Hmm? And now, and the text will take us what it is not. Anvayaditarata. Hmm? You have to know it from all sides, something like that. Hmm? So there's something to be learned in Anishtabhajana Kriya also. And we may even be have climb and going down and think we're trying to escape and, and not go stay the course to reach the highest peak. But once you're in the foothills, it's difficult to get out. Hmm. <laughs> it's difficult to go back, something like that. So sometimes we see, with concerted effort, sadhakas try, sadhakas try to forget about Krishna. And they're only marginally um, successful. Hmm. Again, they become arrested by the affectionate embrace of other devotees and the inevitability, the synchronicity of it all, hmm? the all, the presence of the Godhead in their lives whom they've invited. You invited him in hmm? and he is not about to leave so early, so, so easily. <laughs> so, study the power of bhakti. Hmm? And here, as I say now, they are so absorbed uh, and in, in this prema madhurya and some diversion is coming. How? Atagaha namaya namab namayapaptan mahasuras. So, of the name uh, Aga 
Nama, Mahasura. So suddenly enters the picture someone of the name Agha, who is a Mahasura, Mahasura, I should say. Mm-hmm. And and the question was raised, and we discussed it briefly. How could he get there? How did he? Where does he come from? Such a beautiful setting, such intimacy, uh, and we've heard the only way to get there is through blessing of uh, great devotees. It's the only way to to become eligible to tread the rag mark. Hmm? Uh, so, how did Agasur get there, and who is he? Hmm? So, there's different ways to think about that, but the primary way we shall start with that. As I mentioned the other day, that that the lila shakti hmm, of Krishna, Yoga Maya, lila shakti, saw the necessity to create a diversion, hmm, because they were having such fun in their play that they may have foregone eating hmm, all day long, and their lunches were hanging on the branches of the trees, and 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 so on. Even others. Uh, arguably were on the way from home to, to bring extra dishes and so forth. Um, so she did that by way of allowing this Agasura to enter. Otherwise, how could he enter? Hmm? Not, on the, not with his shoes on, can he go there? Hmm? Not without some favorable Anukul, Krishna Anushilanam. Uh, his uh, background is mentioned in other texts. Garga Samhita is a, is, a, is a text that uh, sometimes Thakurabhakti would, would would cite that describes the uh, previous births of various uh, demons appearing in Krishna Lila. I think he just described as a as a very beautiful um, fellow who was very proud of his um, appearance and his uh, he was a very sexy guy is what it means to say and uh, a real rock or something I don't know what they say or a hot guy or something like that it's, uh, that's what he was thinking about himself I just put it in a modern context um, and um, and so he was very intoxicated, very full of himself, conceited fellow. And uh, he saw the sage, Astrabakar, and his body was twisted in, in eight ways. Um, he didn't have a good appearance. Uh, this is not uh, un- untypical, necessarily. He said that Vyas was not very becoming in appearance. We are thought we are advised to look beyond appearances, whether they be physical or psychic, mental, hmm? um, when trying to evaluate the spirituality of a Vaishnava. Difficult to understand uh, the um, the movement of the Vaishnava. We have to try to trace out what is the motive. The famous example is there in Gorlila, of course, of uh, Mukunda desiring to take Gadadhar to meet a great Vaishnav, Pundarik. And Pundarik 
was uh, coming to the town and coming by way of palanquin and uh, with uh, carried by servants and uh, served very uh, opulently hmm, and appeared to be very uh, materially absorbed <clears throat> but um, and, and when excuse me and when Gadadhar saw this he thought hmm what kind of Vaishnava is this he's keeping himself like a materialist and Mukunda could understand the mind of Gadadhar and to protect him from such thoughts or the continuation of such, such thoughts he sang from Bhagavatam, Aho Bhakiyam Stanakalakutam, like this. Hmm? Oh, how wonderful is Krishna. Hmm? Uddhava is singing, Who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone else? Hmm? Putana came to him, disguised as a mother, and offered her poison-smeared breast to the infant. The infant is so helpless, and the mother is the last person from whom we would suspect something um, uh, would perform an evil act. Uh, if any mother commits a, a crime to the child, it usually makes the headlines amongst murder cases and so forth. When, when, if a mother kills a child, then it, it gets circulated quite a bit more than every other murder case, or, or many of them. It's so heinous. It's the contrast. Here we find the Bhagavatam making this kind of contrast. And Uddhava weighing in on that. And Uddhava we should listen to. After all, he's the advisor of Krishna. He's Shastravit. Hmm? He knows what he's talking about. Hmm? He says, what is, who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone else? Krishna gave her such an extraordinary reward. He gave her her prem, love of himself, hmm? even though she had this in mind. And as we said other day, well, why? Because she was dressed like a devotee. <laughs> and in his, child, in his infancy, some lack of discrimination is there. Infants will go with any adults and so forth. And uh, so, Pundarik of course, he was a great Vaishnava. He's the father of Radhika in Gaurlila. So hearing this about Vatsalya Rasa, motherhood of Krishna, of, 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 of Putana, or Krishna giving motherhood, giving Vatsalya Bhava, he fell off his palanquin and went into a trance. Krishna Das, or Vrindavan Das, explained it at some length like kicking and thrashing and rolling on the ground, all of the material paraphernalia, which would be very dear to a materialist, was broken and smashed and crushed and thrown in a distance. Whole palanquin broken and water pots and fans and everything in disarray. And, and he rolled on the ground in a trance for hours and hours. Hmm? It's played out considerably in the writing of Brindabandas makes the point very nicely. And Gadatar could understand, oh goodness, I have thought uh, wrongly about the great Vaishnava. And so we see, how. what did he do then? How did he seek to resolve the situation? He approached Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya Dev, and said, I have made this offense, and I 
I seek your permission that I can take Diksha from Bhunarik Vidyanidhi. Premanidhi, hmm? Mahaprabhu called him. So he he made took full measure to to, to uh, correct and uh, counteract his uh, Vaishnava brought. How was that? Because he offended in his mind. Hmm? We could offend in our mind, then that offense could be rectified in the mind. We could offend verbally, then that offense could be rectified verbally. Hmm? But if we offend physically, then we have to submit ourselves and, and, and render physical service at the service of the Vaishnav, whom we've offended is the idea. But he only offended mentally on the low end of the spectrum, but he rectified it as if he had offended physically. So he, was very, he instructs us very, very nicely in this regard, as to the uh, importance of avoiding Vaishnava Aparad. Hmm? And so the Vaishnava um, may be difficult to understand. We're fortunate to have had the example of Rup, Sanatan, Shijiva Goswami, and so forth. These particular associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they're singled out for, for two reasons. One on the high end, because of their position in Krishna Leela, uh, uh, identified as they are with the highest ideal of, uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hmm? and Sakhi Bhav, hmm? uh, Gopi Bhav, Manjari Bhav, and on the other hand, as well, because they personally set an example how we should conduct ourselves. Sankhya Pubakanama Gananatibi Nidraharubihara. All these, they, they personally set this example. We don't find this in Pundarik Vidyaniti. We don't disregard him. But it's difficult to learn from his example. Hmm? Something is learned here. But how to carry on day to day. Hmm? Most of the associates of Mahaprabhu didn't set an example like that that we could learn from. But Rupa, Sanatana, Jiva Goswami, and so forth. The, these six Goswamis, this is one of the reasons, of course, they're singled out. Hmm? And they were commissioned to teach systematically and so on and so forth. So that example, of course, is very important to us. Mahabharu himself set an example. He is Krishna. This is his Acharya Leela. So Achar means character, behavior. He is uh, teaching by his example how to, how to engage in bhakti, hmm? how, to, how to attain the, the, um, the goal of life. Prem Prayojan. He very much taught by his example, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I've often said that if you look at the conversions that were rendered at the at the hand of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself personally, the way in which he did them was uncommon. In other words, he he, he defeated, um, uh, he converted Venkata Bhatta, the head priest of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, by joking. Hmm? He defeated or converted, I should say, Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya by, by silence. Hmm? He converted the um, Prakashananda Saraswati by humility, standing at the door where the feet are washed and so forth. In, in this way, in all of them, he created teachable moments. He taught a little bit after that to Prakashananda. He taught a laughter 
Sarvabhauma, but actually they were already converted by that point. They were ready to learn. They were, they were his students. Hmm? Um, by his example, he taught something at length to Rup, Sanatana and so forth, but otherwise, um, by his own uh, example, he converted. And this is to make the point that, of course, uh, example speaks louder than precept, and that our preaching efforts um, will be as effective as we ex- ourselves exemplify that which we speak about. Hmm? And that will have bring some power to our speech, not just to turn the mind of someone, not just to titillate the intellect of someone, but to change their heart, actually. Hmm? So it becomes difficult for them to get away, hmm? as I said, to give them, actually give them bhakti. Hmm? Create, this is Shraddha, to create that interest in these things that is that is difficult to go away. It's, it's, it, uh, we see this, Prabhupada did this on such a broad scale, it's very extraordinary. <clears throat> so, at any rate, so, uh, these Agasur in his previous life, he was proud of his birth, his appearance, and so forth, and he offended the sage, hmm? who didn't appear to be, um, well, uh, on the on the basis of his external appearance, he thought ill of him, he criticized him, he made fun of him, and so forth. And so for his own good, the sage cursed him, that you, you don't like my body, it's bent in eight ways, you will have a body that's bent, you know, like a snake. It's always bent and something like that. Not a good birth. And then uh, it's it's said that he apologized and recognized that he had been foolish and proud of his appearance and so forth, which um, makes it difficult to teach someone. Janmaishvarya Shuta What's her name? Kunti Devi made the point. His material opulence is Bogaishvarya Prasaktanam Te Apritachetasam Vivasayat Mekabudir Samadona Vidyate. You will not get samadhi from this. Hmm? You will not get one one mindedness. Vyabhasayatmika hmm? is required for yoga, for bhakti. Hmm. And what is what is one mindedness in bhakti? What does Vishwana Chakwati Thakur say in a similar verse? Yasya prasadat bhagavat prasado yasya prasadana gati kutopi. This is one mindedness. Hmm? What my guru has taught me hmm, to do all these things become my life and soul. Hmm? Yeah. By pleasing the guru, Krishna will be pleased. Without pleasing the guru, we cannot please Krishna. This is how Vishwanath has come. This is by Vyavasayatmika Buddhi, one mindedness. Hmm? And too much attached to material opulence like one's appearance and so forth, one's wealth. And this will. Hmm, um, these are um, a problem. In one place, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, I give a curse to good health. We were talking about that you should keep your good health. At some point, that, that's true. The other side is, he cursed good health, because in good health, he said, I think I'm all right. Hmm? I think I'm fine. Hmm? I don't need any help. Hmm? The fact is, I'm, I need as much help as I can get. This is just to make a point. Hmm? So, the sage naturally, upon uh, the, uh, the offender, 
acknowledging his offense and so forth, added to the benediction or the sort of the curse that, yeah, and in that curse, Krishna will enter your body, hmm? who is the transcendental Cupid, hmm? who really is beautiful and charming. And then you will become beautiful also. Then you can get some real beauty. Some, anyway. So, as I say, there are different reasons that he entered there. External reason, on the basis of the, the curse and the, and, the, and the benediction that it's pregnant within it, from uh, of Astavakra. But something more than that is required. So the primary reason is centered in the Leela itself and how it moves for the pleasure of Krishna. And so for the pleasure of Krishna that Yoga Maya, Leela Shakti, is preoccupied with, following him like a shadow and anticipating and so forth, that, that there would be a diversion and a break in the pastimes and, and, and lunch could be eaten. She allowed him to come. Within the Leela, a little bit outside of that, of course, from Mathura, Kamsa wanted him to go. Hmm? All of these different demons had come into the Braj. Of course, they were under the... Um, they were subordinate to Kamsa. He had defeated all of them personally, and um, uh, they were working at his behest. And so one after another, he sent. He sent Putana. Uh, he sent Baka. A, now he's sending Aga. Some others he sent too, but these two are important because Putana and Baka, they were the brother and sister of Aga. Hmm? So he felt Aga would be particularly motivated hmm? on that basis alone of family attachment and so forth. And, uh, and that he possessed the power to make a new and novel approach uh, seeing that other previous approaches were unsuccessful hmm, to uh, kill the boy Krishna. Hmm. And um, from that perspective, he assumed a form. So there are different ways of talking about it, as I say. Um, and although, as I mentioned, all of these demons were under the rule, if you will, of, of Kamsa, and that makes Kamsa the most powerful of them all, still Agasura is very much singled out Hmm? Hmm. Agha means sin, and uh, and uh, this name hmm, Agha is the name uh, is that uh, Krishna in relation to Agasura, Agabit, Agabidha. Uh, um, in many ways, this name Agha, uh, name uh, this a name of Krishna. I want to say. In relation to the killing of Agasura, there are a number of them. There is no name of Krishna in relation to a demon that is invoked more in the texts and by the Goswamis than this Aga. Hmm. And it serves to draw some, bring some attention to this Leela. Hmm. That this is, of course, part of Brahma Vimohan, the building of Brahma and Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Important as it is, as I've mentioned, this, these chapters for the, from the point of view of tattva, hmm? establishing Krishna's position over Narayan. So Agha is playing an important um, role in that. Hmm? So he's a big, uh, big demon, very, very prominent. Hmm? 
And uh, this name is used again and again and again in Ujbal Nilmani, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Puranas, and so forth. Aga this, Aga that, uh, Krishna, the killer of Aga, the slayer of Aga, the defeater of Aga. Hmm. Uh, of course, it means sin, too. He, but, it, it, but, it, but it, it's also... Uh, and in those texts I'm referring to, referring to Agasura. Sura means... Asura means... Asura, Asur, Ashushu, Ashushu, Te, Ashushu, Ye, what is it? Ashushu, Ye, Ramante, Iti, Asura. Asu, Ramante, Iti, Asura. That Asu means like life force or senses, sensual pursuit. Ramante means take pleasure. Who takes pleasure in the senses? A materialist. Hmm? Doesn't have to have a body of a snake. It could look good, too. <laughs> so, who takes pleasure in, in sense indulgence? Who's preoccupied with this, this idea of sura, asura? And by contrast, swa, swa hmm? Ramante iti sura. Hmm? Sura means dear... Asura means not divine. Sura means divine. So, who takes pleasure, Swasurupe, in their own nature? This refers to means the Atma, hmm? the Swarupa, the self, the Atma. Who takes pleasure in their Atma is divine. This is the contrast. Hmm? So, enters the demon, Agasura, into the Leela. This Bhakti Vinotanko would like to think of such preoccupation or discussion, I should say, contemplation, um, mananam, as to the significance of this aspect of the leela, the demon slaying. This is, um, uh, he would say, an indirect form of um, the culture of, of, of Ragmarg. Hmm? It is a, because in Ragmarg, our interest is to love Krishna. Hmm? And we want to chant for the pleasure of Radha and Govinda. Hmm? We don't want to chant because we were told to chant. I mean, we should do that. But it should come to the point where I, I understand that my, my interest, what's my, really, if I sort it all out, what do I want? I want to love Krishna like gopis, like gopas, in Vrindavan. Hmm? That's the thing that attracted me to Krishna consciousness. Well, my guru attracted to me, me, to the, me to that, but that's what he was attracted to. That's what she's attracted to. So I'm interested in that. Hmm? One time, one of my gabbadas asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you're always saying that you know you should read the first nine cantos of the Bhagavatam before reading the tenth canto and, and so forth. And, and yes, he said, very important. Then they said, but... You gave us the Krishna book, which is the tenth canto, first, and he and he said, "Well, you have to get a taste for first of what it's about, and then and then you know you have to get a taste. You have to see the travelogue, what it's like to go to India, and you have to hear some advertisements and somebody talking about it. I went to India. It's so it's it's different than any other country in the world." Put together, it's a very extraordinary place, and so forth. And then you get some. I want to go there. 
Hmm? Then you have the requisite power and uh, ability, uh, the, the enthusiasm to, to collect the money, to get the plane ticket, to say goodbye to your friends, to travel uh, the distance, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So he said, yeah, I had to have a little, little, little taste in the beginning. Hmm? Something like that. Something like a Guj- the Gujarati meal. They give the sweets first. Backwards from the Bengali system. They get all the sweets first. <laughs> anyway, so a little sweet first, then and then get to work. Something like that. Yeah. We talk about the highest ideal, and people are attracted. And then we talk about how to go there, and people have something else to do. Hmm? That becomes a little bitter. <laughs> no, so you have to embrace that part, also. Hmm? Uh, and so. Um, So Agasura, anyway, he's uh, he's uh, he's entered here, and he is example, obviously, of, of of what not to do. And so we can we don't want to indulge in sense gratification. We don't want to be distracted, and so forth. But we don't do bhakti just to just for that. Hmm? We don't do bhakti for an art and a vritti. We do bhakti for artha pravritti. We do bhakti because there is something worth attaining. Hmm? And in order to attain that, then certain things need to be left behind. Hmm? Our giving up, if you will, our renunciation, is not really renunciation in the sense that we find renunciation detachment, excuse me, in, in the jnana marg or the yoga marg. It's very different. Hmm? We love Krishna and we find out certain things are not favorable for bhakti, for loving Krishna. And so we give them up. So what are we do? We're loving Krishna by giving them up. Hmm? So this should be our focus. Hmm? This should be our, we should try to cultivate this kind of orientation. Hmm? This will help, help us very much. If we get stuck, I, I, there are, are verses, of course, that will stand out in the beginning like you should control your senses and your mind and you'll highlight those and they'll be very important to you. We should think of them in the context, though, of the goal, praying prayogen. We don't want to lose sight of the goal. Hmm? We, 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 some, some attraction for that, as I say, that, that is central. Bhava hmm? this is central to the whole culture. Hmm? And gradually, as it comes into the, into the fore more and more, then the chanting, the hearing will all be organized around it in a specific way and so on and so forth. Hmm? So, there's a place for getting rid of the demons. Bhakti Thakur like to think of these leelas as, as an indirect anvayad itarata. There's hmm? another way to think of it. Huh? Directly and indirectly we will meditate on Krishna. Hmm? This is indirect. What will not be favorable for Krishna Bhakti? Hmm? And in the context of that, we learn something that will be favorable because the opposite of that will be favorable. What does he represent then? Hmm? In the Leela itself, in the text itself, what is said? It is said about Aga that what? He said, Tesham Sukha Kridanam Vichakshana Samha. This play, we've heard about this play. Krida means play. Tesham Sukha Kridanam. They were, um, these pastimes were very sukham, 
full of happiness. We've heard them, these playful pastimes of Krishna is full of joy and and they were so absorbed in the joy that they couldn't they, they didn't want to stop to eat, huh? uh, is the idea. And and such a nice thing. Young young boys playing happily, completely content, satisfied, and Vichakshana, he could not tolerate that. He could not tolerate the happiness of others. Hmm? This is some and the and he wanted to do something about it. Hmm? He wanted to end their happiness. So we we see we find him here that he's he's a cruel. Hmm? He's cruel minded. That the snake is something of course has a big place in a positive sense also in the uh iconography and poetry of uh of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but it also has uh, uh, a negative context. We should not touch milk, touch by the lips of a serpent. We should not hear about Krishna from those who who have no no love for him. Hmm? Do you want to tell us about uh, using him so that he will uh, give us liberation and then disappear or something like that? That won't be helpful for us. These kind of uh, the snake is is invoked uh, in this a negative way and said sometimes to bite even without being provoked and so forth. So the idea here that is 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 brought out is that he embodies a kind of cruelism, a kind of cruelty to others. Hmm? He was like a party spoiler, something like that. And and this is the antithesis of course of Ajivadai. This is Jivahimsa. Hmm? Cruelty to other living beings. And as we said the other day, when we just briefly touched on this before discussing the section in detail, Jivadoi Krishna Nam Sarvadharmasar. Our Bhaktivinod Paribar, led by Bhaktivinod Thakur, has, he has made this point that the essence of Dharma is twofold. Jivadoi Krishna Nam. Be kind to other living beings and uh, chant Krishna Nam. And sometimes we think that to be kind to other living beings means only to tell them about Krishna. That is the greatest kindness. That is the para-upakar. Hmm? That's true. But the shadow of compassion, hmm? the semblance of compassion, is within real, the heart of the full face of compassion also. Hmm? So while we should be preoccupied with doing the best for ourselves and thereby for others or directly for others as well by sharing with them the, the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu according to our ability and realization. In the context of that, in our, in our everyday life, the opportunity comes to be kind to them in general as well. Hmm? And we should take the opportunity. Hmm? This whole of Krishna consciousness, this whole Krishnanashilanam is about changing the heart, melting the heart. You should use your head to soften your heart. Hmm? There's a kind of knowing that can come from a soft heart that will never come from a hard head. Hmm? Use your head to soften your heart. So show kindness to others. Hmm? We, we do this with, uh, this is the idea behind vegetarian diet. Yes, it is bhakti just to take care of cows. That's true. Hmm? This is certainly um, a very uh, important. It has been grouped along with worshipping sacred trees, 
worshipping the Tulsi and Vaishnava Seva even with regard to Ragmarg. Hmm? Because we might think, well, worshipping Tulsi is important, but the banyan tree, I don't know about that. I mean, it's okay, you could do it. Or cows, yeah, it could come or go. No. Hmm? Very important. At Madhavan now, we are planning, planting banyan trees everywhere. That's a major part of the landscape. There are some species of banyan growing there already. but hmm? And cow, to scratch the necks of the cows, hmm? to circumambulate them, to feed them fresh grasses and so forth. This is Anga of Bhakti. Hmm? What kind of religion is that? Well, you can make this is directly Bhakti. Hmm? So you could say, yes, we protect cows, and this is directly bhakti. We should only do directly bhakti. If we do anything else, we'll be implicated in karma. If we do good works for other kindness to other people, outside of the kindness of just giving them bhakti, we'll be inter- implicated, in good, in, implicated in good karma. And that's bad. Some people think like this. No, no, that's not the teaching. We don't need any animals. Is it bhakti to scratch the neck of goats? No, but Jiva Himsa includes not eating goats either. Cows are special, that's true. Or birds. Hmm? Hmm? It's just an act of kindness. Hmm? Are we becoming implicated in, in good karma for that? If a Vaishnava shows kindness, hmm? that's like giving bhakti. If a Vaishnava feeds you, that is prasadam. Hmm? A Vaishnava thinks, that about hunger, the Vaishnav thinks, Krishna is the fire of digestion in every person, in everything. Let me feed. Let me offer the food to Krishna. Hmm? He's the fire of digestion. This is his consciousness. Hmm? And some will say, but he didn't offer it first. How He didn't offer it, he's giving it's our different level, layers. Uh, the, the, the different eligibility will have, afford us different understandings. Kanishtadikari will have to take everything and offer it informally and say the mantra, and we should do that. Hmm? Hmm. We should do that. Hmm. We don't want to become neurotic, but we, we do not want to artificially develop a tendency to think ourselves more advanced than we are. In the 16th chapter of Gita, when the divine and the demonic, the demonic are discussed, Arjuna thinks, I must be one of them. Hmm? Krishna is quick to say, no, no, you're not, you're not one of them. Hmm? But he's thinking, I'm fighting. And, I, and you talk about the, qual- the qualities of the demons here, and he saw some correspondence. Arjuna said, no, 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 not you. You're not like that. That doesn't that apply to you. But his tendency to think like that a little bit... Hmm? without it becoming a neurosis and a, and a cause for not participating in bhakti and so forth, in a way it was a, it was a healthy sign. Hmm? So the Kanishtadikari will offer. We should think, I'm Kanishtadikari, I will offer everything. Hmm? Do very nicely. But the Madhimadikari, of course, the he or she will offer in the, in the mind always everything. Hmm? And, and if someone offers something, hmm? you think, Krishna's offering. I'm Saranagata, surrendered soul. Krishna's offering. Hmm. He said, I will take it. It is prasadam. <laughs> yeah. 
And Uttamadikari, you will see, like I said, you will see Krishna, the fire of digestion. Let me feed him. Hmm? Feed hungry people. If we were fed from the mouth of such a person, from the hand of such a person, such a Vaishnava, that would be so good for us. If Vaishnava, anything, any gift from a Vaishnava, their active, Paraduki Kripambudhi, it is said about the Vaishnava, isn't it? They have no trouble, but they feel trouble for others. That means they feel, Gita has said it also. At the toward the end of the sixth chapter, Krishna is describing hmm? uh, the perfect yogi, and certainly the devotee is the perfect yogi and more. Hmm? They feel the suffering of others as if they are, it is our their their own. Hmm? You have to think about this. You see, if some socially engaged bhakti uh, was being asked about the other, they will help you to develop this. Then that may be good for you also. Hmm? We don't want bhakti to be some kind of like artificial add-on that we, we just collect some information, but our heart's really not changing. Hmm? And we hear, oh, 10,000 people died in the tsunami, tsunami, and we think, oh, tough karma for them. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> too bad for them. Yeah, they were demons, I guess. They should have, or whatever. You know. Some softness of heart has to come. What to speak then? If softness of heart and kindness towards others is a, is, a, is the essence of dharma, indeed, Bhakti Thakur has said that love of God, devoid of kindness for other living entities, does not look well. Hmm? It is not the full face of love of God. Indeed, we cannot separate love of other living beings from love of God. Hmm? Prem means. Loving everyone. The example is sometimes given of feeding the stomach by which the food will go everywhere. Watering the root by which the nourishment will go everywhere. Hmm? So we, we have this idea, I'll worship Krishna, but other people, that's another thing. Other devotees, that's even worse. Yeah. We have to somehow love everybody by loving Krishna, by understanding Krishna. That means to understand that the object of our ador, object of our love, is universal. He's not just in that closet that you just open and close it and get on with other things. You have a little closet in here. Okay, there he is. Okay, got something to eat, some incense. Okay, now we get on with our life. That's why the deity doesn't talk to us. If he talks to us, then we have no life of our own. You say, bring me this, now that, now this, now that. The doors will always be open. And the house, whole house will become a temple, and you will live in the closet only. <laughs> but that will be good. <laughs> that would be good for us. Now it's the opposite. We have the whole house, and he gets a closet. He only open only a certain part of the day. And when it's open, we act one way. When it's closed, we act another way. The moral lapse that we find in bhakti, sometimes in our beginning stages, is a result of not understanding the universality of our deity. Hmm? He's everywhere. Hmm? Watchful eye. Hmm? Everywhere. Hmm? He doesn't miss anything. Hmm? Only we miss him, the fact that he's there, we don't see him. Hmm? Hmm? So this is, should be the result of our practice, hmm? of worshiping the deity, of worshiping the guru. If we focus 
appropriately, the Guru says, only listen to me, for example. In some instances, he may say, only listen to me. Hmm? If we listen properly, then we'll find his instruction coming everywhere. Hmm? Everywhere, from other Vaishnavas, from ordinary people. We should live our life to learn, as if we could learn from everyone and everything. Hmm? And you will. And learn from the rising and setting of the sun. And I often invoke this beautiful verse. What could be more prominent thing in the day than the rising of the sun and its setting? Hmm? I mean, if it didn't happen one day, it would be the biggest crisis Earth had ever experienced. Right? We just we take it for granted. Hmm? It's a huge event, a huge event that just gets missed by us. It's missed. Huge event every morning. This huge event is happening of such significance. Yeah. And we are sleeping or reading the news or something, hmm? whatever we may do, looking for something exciting. What's happening? My God, the sun just came up. <laughs> this is a huge event, you see. We're, we're told, stop at the sunrise, stop at noon, stop at, the, at, at dusk, at the sundium, and, and slow down and think, what's happening? Hmm? What's happening? What does it all mean? With the rising and the setting of the sun, what? Your life is being taken away. Hmm? Your life as a materialist, your identity, material identity, is being taken away. You cannot keep it. Hmm? That's very beautiful. That's more beautiful than just the, the glitter of the sun, the sunset. It's very beautiful, the sunrise. But the rishis could have understood the profundity of the movements of nature. Hmm? But as I said before, someone will say, but actually, Swami, the sun's not really going across the sky. The, the earth is moving around like this. Hmm? We, and what do we say? We say, you just don't get it. You're dying. That's what it says. The teaching is you're dying. Hmm? This is poetry. Hmm? And po- poetry can, it, spiritual poetry can have a way of conveying truth and meaning that surpasses um, a kind of mathematical uh, and logical way of conveying. Hmm? Therefore, the chanting. Hmm? My talk will be good if you chant afterwards. Harinam. Hmm? Read the poetry of the Bhagavatam for yourself. Hmm? Something like that. Hmm? Such a big thing they could see. The sun has come again. The sun is again rising. And the chances of my my dying are better today than yesterday. Hmm? How will I engage myself hmm? purposefully, meaningfully, for finding what is purposeful, what is meaningful, myself and more, at my, my source? Hmm? This is, um, if we, so if we pay attention, nityam bhagavata sevaya, let me see, this is not a lesson of a book, it's beyond the book, niyagrantha, Api Urukrame. Hmm? And the teacher. Prabhupada once said, Dr. Kapoor said to Prabhupada, you know, the way you teach your students, they're so like focused on you. They like don't want to listen to anybody else. And that could be a problem when you leave. 
he was he's right <laughs> to become a problem. But Prabhupada said, well, my idea is that I will I've planted a tree in the form of one of my disciples, for example, and I've built a fence around the tree to protect it. But hopefully it will grow properly, and then in its own course, the tree will extend beyond the branches. The tree's branches, excuse me, will extend beyond the fence. Hmm? And, and, and healthy, and be able to share and take from everywhere hmm? without any fear. Hmm? Now we move with some trepidation, with some fear. But if we could see the whole world as, as, as the whole environment is favorable, everything trying to teach me, everyone trying to talk to me about my self-interest, go in this way, don't go in that way. Hmm? Even the bad examples, don't be like me, they say very loudly. Don't be like me. Hmm? And then the people that criticize you. Hmm? I haven't done it, but I haven't thought... But those Vaishnavas that criticize me, I should put their picture on my altar. Hmm? I should put it in a frame on my desk who criticize me. Hmm? There must be some truth in what they say. Something. There must be some, some basis. Hmm? It may be a distorted truth, but still, something there must, I can improve. Hmm? And of course, the other side is how not to be. You're teaching so nicely. This way we can live in the world very happily. Then life can become lila in, in a real sense of the term, because lila is of this world, actually. <laughs> it, it, is, it, is, it is human-like. It is to be in the world, but not of the world. We have some stepping back of objectivity, some measure of renunciation by way of foregoing the things that are not favorable for Krishna. It's bhakti. That gives us an objective view of the world, and then we can step back into it and understand it for what it is and interact with all things. This is, this is the whole lesson of Gopi Lila. <laughs> Krishna's interacting with all things. Hmm? And there's no problem with it. Hmm? So... We have to go little ideas, go beyond the book. Hmm? By good sangha, by good association, hear these leelas. Here, so Agasur is teaching us something. Hmm? How not to be? We should be kind to other jivas. Hmm? Short of that, what, what will be our bhakti? Hmm? Hmm? Kapiladev says that worshipping the deity in the temple, what does he say? And, hmm? and, and then not respecting other people, like throwing ghee, ashes on the ghee, right? Something like that. They put out the fire, in other words. It puts out the fire. The fire is for what? For melting the heart. So it's a big lesson hmm, to be learned. We can, we can go further. We've spoken a bit about, about, about Agasur, his leela. We'll continue in our next discussion, but Krishnanam and Jivadoi, these things go together. And again, what to speak of Vaishnava, <laughs> to be kind to Vaishnavas. Of course, it's difficult sometimes because some of them are Vaishnava pray, almost a Vaishnava, kind of a Vaishnava, but they, they conduct them themselves in ways that are not useful or even offensive. But 
the art, of course, of of respecting all the Vaishnavas is to is to keep enough, just enough distance. It may be a big distance you have to keep from some, but if they're out of sight and out of mind, then when they do come in the mind, oh yeah, he's some kind of Vaishnava anyway, chanting. If they get too close, then what they're preoccupied about, that'll be troublesome for the mind, and you will not be able to think well of them. So you. Like this, you, you you find a distance hmm, from other Vaishnavas that you need to keep and respect them all, hmm? and uh, and extending beyond that, to develop love for all living beings, kindness for all living beings. Hmm? He has no sorrow for himself. Kripam buddhi para. What is it? A Vaishnav. Kripam buddhi para. Anyway. He has no sorrow for himself, but he feels paradukaduki. He feels sorry for others. Hmm? Any question? Yeah. Um, Maharaj, you said that we should not evaluate the bodies after their physical appearance or even whether it's, it's psychic or mental disposition. disposition as well, but we should seek after motives. But the, the motives are hidden deeply in the heart so we cannot, it's very difficult to recognize on the spot what, what, are, what kind of motives yeah. uh, they have. It can be manifested in the course of time after many, many years. So the question is if we should or we can uh, evaluate the motives. Yeah. Generally, I think that we should uh, be generous and think that the motives of people are correct even when they're acting wrongly. Hmm? Because if they have wrong understanding, wrong information, and still they have good, good intentions. But moreover, what I meant by um, how we should evaluate them is that we should try to see the extent to which they actually have attraction for Krishna, faith for Krishna. And, of course, that has to play out in a, in a, in a wholesome way, as I'm talking about. Because you've got these guys that chant 16 rounds and they're mean as hell, you know, kind of type people um, uh, and they're very strict in, in their practices but their heart's not softening hmm? and um, so you you want us to try to evaluate in this way by seeing is the heart soft and is the head sound at the same time do they are they have they have attraction for Krishna but it's difficult it's difficult it's difficult and and, and also we're given the symptoms of advanced devotees and they're invisible for the most part. Hmm? He sees Krishna everywhere. Well, how do you know that? <laughs> but then there are some symptoms that are given that, 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 that can be very helpful to us. Viraktir, Ashabandha, Samudkanta, all these symptoms, they're like thought to be precursors or external symptoms indicative of advancement, of, of perfection in sadhana or, or bhava-bhakti. Hmm? They have nine. Hmm? These are largely visible. They like to live in a holy place. They like to chant the holy name. They have uh, great hope. They're optimistic type of people. They have longing. You can see these things in them. Hmm? So the, the, this has been singled out, but otherwise, I agree with you. Yes, it's difficult to, uh, and that's the point. Hmm? 
that's the verse I cited, that Vaishnavera Kriya Mudra Vignana Bujai. It's difficult to understand the Mohikasura Vaishnav. But we try and, and have a generous kind of um, eye to begin with. And of course, when more we become acquainted ourselves and learned, we'll be able to sort it out and so forth. It's difficult in the beginning. Someone may be chanting for dip- and giving a talk only to increase their own prestige. Hmm? Yes? Uh, so we also see that very advanced devotees, they don't express their inner feelings. They, they keep the, the bhajan in, uh, in, in secret. Like Narottam Dastakur said on the end of the Kramabhakti Chandrika, that he will keep this secret. But this is against this daya, uh, daya jiva, jiva daya. Jiva daya, kindness, because by this, by this expression, we will be very benefited. Uh-huh. So why, why are they doing this? They're keeping Like somehow, sometimes I had that even Kaupat, they, they suppress his feelings, feelings of power. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think that the devotee will be very inspired to see yeah, I understand. Uh, that's what you think. Okay, you got uh-huh. You want to explain in Polish? Mm-hmm. Well, as I said the other day, I think that love wants to share itself <laughs> naturally, but it also finds that not everybody can appreciate. Hmm? And uh, just like if two people fall in love, and then everybody says, oh, that's nice, and then, but then, you know, keep it to yourself uh, 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 a little bit, is also in order. Hmm? And, um, and so people want to share their love. I love her, and, uh, and so forth. Like that guy, um, I heard the story of the actor, Tom Cruise. He fell in love with some young girl who always wanted to marry him or something like that. And then he was on a famous TV show, and... He, you jumped up on the couch, and, and people, that's a little too much, Tom. Uh, we know you love her, you know, but keep it to yourself a little bit. So they couldn't, they also couldn't appreciate it, couldn't take advantage of it. So there's some sense that, 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 that love of God will be um, uh, uh, distributed and shared on the, by, by the Vaishnava, but in ways that will be appropriate such that people can take advantage of it. Hmm? And there may be ways or expressions of it or, or experiences of it that, that will not be um, beneficial to share widely, but should be shared nonetheless with, with some intimate devotees, uh, closer devotees, possibly. Um, this is kind of the idea. So I don't think that by not showing everything that they are not showing kindness to other jivas. And also there seems to be an emphasis on the idea that, uh, that, that people should come forward to Vaishnavism on the basis of some attraction but some understanding and philosophy rather than, than, a, um, than a show of mysticism or um, uh, perfection or uh, something like that. So many people might come, but then uh, they have to learn the, the teaching because without the Sambandagyan, as we said earlier, the practice will not be very efficacious. So there seems to be an emphasis on the part of great acharyas to to remain in somewhat 
external consciousness with regard to the public and teach very thoughtfully and explain the teaching and 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 uh, um, bring people within the fold on the basis of that. Although, obviously, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did something else. He rolled on the ground and showered people with his tears and so on and so forth. He shed blood in the Ratha Yatra. I can't do that. <laughs> if I could, would I? I don't, I don't think I would be able to control it. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, in the beginning, the Bhava's tears and haripalation, this will come first. Then other... other and there's different stages of that also. Hmm? And then we, and it, a shadow, a boss will come of that. Then it come continually. Then it come in the, in the day and in the night, and sleep, and, and then in different levels of intensity and so forth. And and uh, and I, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate to show everybody. And without having done so, one will be guilty of not engaging in in kindness to other jivas. What else? Yes. Um, actually, one or two years ago, I've been already vegetarian for 24 years, but I always thought that uh, about the vegans, what is what they say? I mean, by milking the cow, you're not harming the cow, so well, it, this is too much exaggerated. But uh, like one year ago, I realized that it's really the very process of producing milk and dairy products, it is inevitably involving mass cow killing. Because, uh, for example, in, in two parts, when the cow gives birth to cows, uh, approximately half of the cows are masculine, and they yeah. go into the slaughterhouse anyway. So half of the babies, gone, killed. And then even when the cow reaches like the middle, the midst of its age, because it's not giving enough milk to be worthy for maintaining it, it also goes to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. So if all the milk and dairy production is not involving kindness to the cow, um, should we being a devotees rather not... should get your own cow. Not take... <laughs> and if I cannot, should I rather... Then live, you should live near somebody who has a cow. Takes care of the cow. In all of my ashrams, we have our own cows. Hmm? We have our own dairy in all of our ashrams. That is, we should conduct ourselves like that. Um, that is best. Hmm? And and of course, vegan, vegans. I I'm not fully familiar with the uh, philosophy, but I do think, from what I have heard, it appears to me that they extend the idea a little too far by way of arguing, for example, that, well, you know, cows, humans are the only animals that drink the milk of other animals. As if to say, isn't that weird and inappropriate? Only humans drink the milk of other animals. Most animals drink the milk of their mother. You don't find monkeys drinking the milk of tigers. Hmm? So humans drinking the milk of cows, I've heard this kind of vegan argument, is, is wrong, it's, it's unnatural. But only humans grow vegetables too. Hmm? So we are different. <laughs> we are different. And, um, and we, are, we are an animal. Hmm? 
And we are not an animal. This is what human life is. There's the animal side, and then there's the human side, which affords us an opportunity for directly being involved in spiritual culture. So this, this, this consciousness self, the Atma, is coming to the surface in human life. So it's different than other, any other forms of life. And then there's this meeting point between animality and spirituality that human life constitutes, and it extends into the form of humans being like caretakers of animals, and there are domestic animals. It's, it's sometimes said that they don't know who domesticated who. Humans domesticated the cows, or the cows domesticated the humans in history. Hmm? But there's obviously uh, a mutual and loving relationship that can be uh, forged between cows and humans. I have much direct experience of that. Hmm? I mean, uh, I could take my cows and just let them go somewhere, take them out in some forest and let them go. But I have a house for them. Hmm? They get food and they get nutritious diet, exactly what they need, vitamins, minerals, and everything, proper nutrition. We, we, we you know, analyze the diet and the, and the food, what they get. If they're sick, we take care of them and so forth. Hmm? On their own, they would, they would be struggling for all these things. Hmm? And that's a fact. And, uh, and their rate of mortality would be greater, not than a slaughterhouse, but, but then, but, but it's better, would be worse, the cow mortality, if you will, in a situation outside of being protected by humans. So uh, as, as much, and I don't know for sure, but as much as the vegan might make an argument like that, I think they, they go a little too far. And, um, and we have very nice relationship with our, our cows. I mean, they, 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 they very much like their human caretakers, and, um, and they're well protected. And I see that when they're loved, they give them even more milk. Hmm. More than the calf, it's healthy for the calf to drink. Our calves, we have cows at Aldaria, they've been milking for four years. Hmm. They give them four gallons a day. Hmm. If they've been milking for, you know, in the, in the cattle, in the, in the dairy industry, they, they let them milk for about, um, about maybe seven months. Hmm. Then they dry them off. Then they get them pregnant again. Hmm. It's better to let them let them milk, and they like to be milked. And then they don't have to they don't have to give calf every year. Hmm. And of course, we protect all the all. It doesn't matter to us if they're bulls or cat or or heifers. Hmm. It doesn't matter. We have a different system, but to to with regard to impregnation and so forth, um, we don't get the cows pregnant all the time. So if we have a calf. As born, she might not get pregnant until she's, you know, three, four years old. Hmm? Uh, so uh, uh, this is what uh, my guru Marsh wanted, that the devotees would uh, live in rural areas or live in proximity to rural areas where they can get um, milk products from protected cows. So, so in the meantime, to move in that direction, then you have to try to do that according to your own conscience and ability. Hmm? And um, in the very least, I believe that devotees should be very conscientious about where they, if they're going to take milk products, where, where they get them from, as conscientious as this, they can be. And there are good, better and, and worse sources, obviously. So gravitate towards the best sources, and, and, and the ideal situation is as I'm 
describing, and it's very powerful, you see, because, because you say, well, that's kind of impractical. I've got to live near a devotee community that, that has their own cows. Huh? And that, that would change my lifestyle considerably. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> and that would probably be good for you. That's the whole point. Hmm? So protecting the cow can, can really change your life. That's a, that's a fact. If you look at the very basic um, idea, even you take this Jiva Hims a little further, you protect the earth. Hmm? You protect the cow in reasonable ways. Not that you, you, you make it the, the be-all and end-all of your religion, but an aspect of your religious and spiritual culture and so forth. After all, the environmental problem is a spiritual problem at heart. Hmm? Um, so if you understand that, and then you, you start to live... A, a life that is practical in terms of being sustainable, that is kind, and so on and so forth. You really have to change your your your, your location practically, maybe your occupation even. And, it, and you actually put yourself in a situation where it is more easy to follow other practices hmm, that you may be having trouble with because of distractions of the world. Hmm? Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting because Let's say uh, I can say don't don't uh, don't do certain things; they won't be good for you. Hmm? That'll be one way. Or I can say live in a sustainable community of devotees, and 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 it, and, and they'll be doing these things, and it will be easier for you to do them. We almost don't have to talk about them. Hmm? So I, I, I realize it's a difficult problem. You know, we live in an industrialized society, and and um, you all have uh, your families and occupations, and so so we had to be a little practical about it. But this kind of thinking has to be factored into into uh, your dietary habits. But I I don't, I don't think that, that just being a vegan is is as powerful hmm, of a of a, um, uh, of a of a step to take. Hmm. Um, in terms of um, impetus for bhakti, as as what I'm speaking about, so yeah. Is it different to Sri Krishna if we offer him milk or dairy products which are not from protected cows? Do we offend him this way? Well, uh, as I said, I think there there, there could be some offense there, but you. Um, I I wouldn't, for example, fault um, um, Prabhupada for that, for doing that, Mm -hmm. and because there's something perhaps more that he was teaching as well at the time, or knowledge about dairy industry wasn't uh, wasn't as widely um, circulated in its horrors at the time and so forth. But... um, I would say that also, in my opinion, dairy products are important for human health. So if we look at the sadhaka deha, hmm, as I've described it, as you are that body, then there's some scope for... for. And I've heard, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, but I've heard if, if vegans start drinking milk, they'll... They really like it, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it, it's a uh, it's very um, 
well, anyway, I think it's an important part of the human diet. So uh, I would try to try to acquire milk products in the best possible way with that in mind and offer them. And I've given you an example of the best possible way of, in all worlds. Mm-hmm. And uh, you gravitate towards that as quickly as you want to go in that direction. That's up to you. But if you're progressive about that and concerned about that and conscious and anxious about that and thinking about that and take steps in that direction, then I think that you will be absolved of any uh, possible repercussions. What else? About the honey, because uh, I heard that uh, it is also not a correct transaction between humans and the honeybees, because they are preparing their storage for the winter time when they can nourish themselves the way they want, and the human is coming and taking it. You know that they go to take the honey in a very protective costume because the bees are biting. They, they don't agree with the tra- transaction. So is this violence towards the bee? And if it is a violence, is it karma-free to, to take it and offer it, or it's a wrong action and not showing kindness to, to them? Hmm. I'm not a bee expert, but, um, but Vaishnavas have been cultivating honey for, for, for centuries, so they seem to have resolved that um, that issue themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, so I will follow in their example. Is it a fair deal? That's what I just said. Did you hear what I said? No. Okay, then you have your answer. Yes? Oh, you didn't have a question. Yes? Um, when you were talking about loving on Jivas, what does it mean to love on Jivas? And is this mean uh, we associate and love them equally? Like, you, know, like how you love your dog? Do you have a dog? Well, I had one. She died recently. But um, <laughs> you love your animals, let's say. That doesn't mean you'll sleep with them in the same bed, although I have slept with my cows before um, in the barn. But So, you know, according to their situation and so forth, you show love accordingly. Just like you, you, you love your children, right? Do you love your husband? Do you love your children the same way you love your husband? A little differently. It's expressed a little differently. So, you express differently according to the situation the people are in. Hmm? And, um, and um, if some people are very evil, you can love them by avoiding them. Hmm? Something like that. So, uh, and, and you do that in the context of, of the, the, the earnest pursuit of your Krishna consciousness. Hmm? Is that that you go out of your way and now you become a you know a bee lover and this you're going to be this is what you're going to do and you just heard about there's a problem with the bees so now you're going to go dedicate your you know you have your focus Krishna consciousness and in the context of that you show kindness to other jivas that is the kindest thing that you can do and in the context of that other opportunities arise you you do as well okay yeah uh, we have two kind of advanced devotees, Bhajanandi uh, and Kushtianandi, and one, one is, uh, is preaching and Bhajanandi is doing better for, for himself. So should we understand that because there is a lack of this Dayajiva, Ibadaya. 
something that there are not so much uh, advanced for in love of God because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, za mocą Lewi Wicieli, Bajanandi i Gosztanandi, czy tylko Gosztanandi, ci, którzy nauczają i Bajanandi, ci, którzy robią barę dla siebie. I wydaje się, że czy powinniśmy uważać, że, że właśnie Bajanandi z tego względu, że właśnie brakuje im te dziwania, nie nauczają, że są jak nie załasowani miłości do Boga. Preaching is a way to show kindness to Jeeves. Preaching is a way to show kindness, but it's not the only way. So, Bhajananandi is full of jivadaya, kindness to jivas. But he's moved by Krishna in a particular way. To conduct himself, drawn by bhakti in a particular way. Doesn't mean he's not kind to jivas. Okay, so we stop there. Hopefully you'll come again in the evening. Kaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Sri Bhakti Vinod Paribar ki jai, Grantaraj Singh Bhagwat ki jai. Oh,